We'll be saying thanks a lot to our worship team. We got all of our worship teams like firing on all cylinders this week. So uh, when you see them later, please say thank you face to face as well. So James and Maria, come on up here. Uh, thank you for traveling all the way from Castlegar to be with us. Uh, I want to give the like, you know, traditional like intro, but I also want to uh, honor and mention a few names. So James and Maria have been impactful to our school for quite a few years. Um, they have been a part of our more conferences that we've had. They've come to visit and bring their groups uh, and it's been cool. Uh, but one of the greatest impacts that we've had through their ministry has been the amount of students that have gone through our campus uh, and gone through their education here over the years. So even just in the last six years, since Kim and I have been here, we were going through names of all those that have been there, been here. So currently right now, uh, under your ministry, we have Kirsten Hill, was Bell, but now Hill, uh, and Graham, Graham interned with these guys last summer, uh, but more importantly is engaged to Tanisha. Oh, oh you guys. Tanisha, guys. yeah. Over the years, we've had Stuart, yep. we've had Sam, uh, we have had, uh, who else am I thinking of? Daryl Arkell. Daryl, yeah. Uh, we have had Kaylee, of course, Kaylee Bell yep. as well. Sam Kenna. Sam Kenna. Yep. Yeah, oh, so yeah, we yeah. have had a few students over the years make their way through this campus because of the impact that you guys have made thank on you. their life as you've served the Lord by uh, leading them. So thank you. I want to honor you in your ministry. Uh, we've been able to know each other for quite a few years, backing up to youth ministry days. Long time ago. Yeah, yeah. so they were youth pastors at their church in Castlegar, New Life, uh, to begin with. They're now lead pastors there, but began as youth pastors, correct? Yeah, that's right. And so they were cluster regional leaders in the Kootenays, and I was youth pastoring in Chilliwack and was able to do the cluster regional leading here in the Fraser Valley. So we had time to meet up and get together and talk about History Maker. And so I value you guys' ministry. Thank you. Uh, but more importantly and personally, I value who you are as a couple. Thank you. I really value who you guys are as parents. Uh, to your beautiful daughters, those who are biological, those who you've adopted, those who you've spiritually adopted. Uh, you have done an incredible job at parenting and thank raising you. the next generation. So thank you. God thank bless you. you. They'll share about their family, so you'll get to know about it. But God bless you as Thanks, you guys I minister. appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, can I just uh, take, take a minute? You're good? I'm sweating. <laughs> I know. I noticed. I'm like, you're really... <laughs> I'm so great. sweaty. Oh, uh, my goodness. James has two speeds. It's like, I'm freezing cold and I have to put everything on or I'm dying and I'm going to strip. Oh, so we'll see how worse. it goes this morning. Uh, before James, he's going to share with you this morning, I just wanted to... Um, to love on Gavin as yeah, well absolutely. Uh, as a young couple who, and you'll hear our journey as we're here, who were the misfits coming into our district and really didn't know who we were and had very little um, schooling behind us and all of the things feeling really not uh, like we should be around those tables. Gavin always treated us as equals. He was always just the one to embrace us. Uh, me as a woman, women in the room, you guys have it good and it is great. And I'm so excited for you walking into ministry. That was not the season of life that I walked into ministry and Gavin just treated me like an equal. Mm. He was always there. Uh, oh, I'm going to tear up and I don't tear up. Uh, hey, Gavin you're preaching tomorrow. I know, I'm preaching tomorrow. I'm sorry, I just had to like love on. And Kim has been great, and we've got to know her a little bit over the last, you know, six years. But Gav, we've known for a long time, and you and Rebecca, you guys were just been 
great friends yeah. to us that we see like once a year, you know, but, but it has been, even on the football field, always treating me like an equal when everyone else said, what the heck is she doing out here? And uh, so I just appreciate, appreciate you. Um, you guys get to hear from the far cooler one of the two of us. No. Anyone who knows us would know that he really is. He is the, he is the cool cat who no, can do no. anything. No. And, uh, and so I'm really excited for you. So I'm going to step away, but he is the love of my life, and I'm so excited for uh, what he has well, thank you. to uh, share. So have fun. Okay, I, like, I like you too, you know? Okay, there's pictures of my kids. Where are they? There, do we have them? Do, oh, did it, is it coming through? If it shows up... Okay, well, if it shows... I know, it's the worst. If it shows up, we'll see what happens. I don't, I'm not a dad that carries pictures of his kids around in his wallet. I'm useless for that stuff. I just don't do it. Uh, do you have your Bibles with you? Actual Bibles. Oh, okay. So these are my two daughters. These are my biological kids. Paige is on the left. She's older uh, and shorter. Talia is on the right. She is uh, younger and taller. They are both ter- terribly short. Like they're maybe five feet. Paige is like 5'10". There's nothing. She'll probably be attending college in the next couple of years here. She's really excited about that. She wants to go into counseling. Um, I'm so like huge brag moment for my kids for a second here really quick. So Paige on the left there, she's 17. She just turned 17. She just got her license. But before she got her driver's license, she bought her first house. I know. You're like, what? I'll tell you what I was doing at 17. And it had nothing to do with buying houses. Nothing to do with buying houses at all. Uh, she has worked terribly hard, uh, very diligently. Any job that came across the table, she would do it. She would clean up dog poop. She would go and scrub toilets. She would go and she was work flipping burgers at Dairy Queen. Uh, she was making cookies and cakes and, and cupcakes and all that kind of stuff. And so she's a diligent worker. She had a plan in place, saved up her money for a down payment and bought a crack shack. True story, drug house. It is horrible. We'll talk about it later. Uh, Talia on the right. Talia takes after me. She's got ADD off the charts. It's fantastic. Our household is always uh, an absolute adventure. And, uh, and there's a lot of colorful things that happen there. True, true story. My poor wife. God bless her. Uh, who else do we got there? What else? What's next on the list there? We've got, okay, that's, uh, we've got, that's us there, the girls. Um, yeah, Paige is farting. That's nice. And uh, we've got Stewie in the back. You guys have probably met Stu. Stuart, we brought into our home when he was uh, a young fella, about 16 years old. And uh, we brought him in from the circumstances he was in. And he lived with us and came to be a part of our family. What else do we have there? Uh, and that's also Stuart. Yeah, he likes that little fluffy dog. That's his fr- friend. Uh, they hang out lots together. What else do we have? That's one of our, fr- oh, there's a couple of our fur babies. That's, I know, Dusty on the right. That's Juno. She's an old lady. She's on the left-hand side. And uh, there's another one of a puppy. Where's the little puppy? That's the new one, okay? I know, right? I don't like cats, but I love puppy dogs, and they are just so fantastic. Uh, Our youngest ADD daughter, uh, she convinced us over the course of six months. She wore us down to the bone to get a puppy, and we picked up this one. Her name is Minnie, and she is no longer Minnie. She is huge. She's a little baby in this picture. She is a monster now, and, uh, and we love her dearly. I don't know if there's any other ones. We'll throw it up there. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, very cute. And uh, there's, uh, there's a few of our girls. There's Tanisha, you guys know. Really warm welcome for Tanene. She is fantastic. Uh, there's my two other girls up there, and then Rebecca as well. And those are, those are our girls. We love them very deeply. They are just wonderful. So, Thank you so much for allowing us to be here. We appreciate it. I feel awkward being here. I feel awkward being here, for real. Because all you guys are in school, going through college, doing your things. I've never been 
I've never been here. Like, I've been to the campus. I didn't attend. You know, online, some distance education, but I never went through the school stuff, you know? I did it all very backwards. So I'm very humbled, Marie and I both, extremely humbled to be able to be here and share with you this week. So thank you so much. Uh, you all are, are really incredible folks. Just choosing to do what you're doing with your life. Dedicating some time out of your life to education and growing in that. Wanting to learn. Wanting to learn about God's word. It's important stuff. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for taking the time out of your lives to do that. Uh, and, and these are precious moments. Enjoy them. Mess up lots. Make tons of mistakes. Be thankful for the opportunity to make mistakes in safe spaces and embrace the journey that God has for you. It's going to be an interesting time this week. We've been praying for you guys for a while now since Gavin asked us to come and share. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I, I always run into stuff uh, wondering, oh, am I, do we deserve to be here? Are we qualified enough to be here? What do we have to actually teach any of these kids? What, what on earth can we, kids, young adults, what on earth do we possibly have to share with these folks? And you know what's interesting is, is the, the story of, of my life personally is, is uh, God has allowed me to go through a pressure cooker of life. You know, pressure cookers are kind of neat because you put things under incredible amounts of pressure and heat, and they happen to be cooked and done far faster than if you do it in other methods. And God has allowed me to go through a bit of a pressure cooker in life. And it's been interesting, the tools that he's allowed me to put into my tool belt in very unconventional fashions. Uh, and so I, I think because of that, I, I'm very thankful to be able to be here and share, even though we've come from a bit of an unconventional background when it comes to uh, faith and when it comes to teaching and training. So I've got a few questions for you guys. Um, who comes from a Christian background? Okay, and by Christian background, I mean like your family has a history of being in the church and being Christian. So let's get her, just think about it for a second. Okay, yeah, okay, a bunch of you, yeah. Uh, okay, who comes from a home that used to follow Jesus, but you're kind of picking it up again? Okay, oh, thank you. First of all, thank you so much. If you're brave enough to be honest here, I really appreciate it. Um, I'll tell you this again later. Any questions that you have, it, there's no hold bar. You can ask anything you want to. Dig into any topic you want to if you have questions for us. But I appreciate honesty and transparency. Why? Because Jesus already knows our hearts. It's nothing a mystery to him. And the only thing that keeps us from being honest and transparent is our pride. And when we decide to diminish our pride and we speak the truth in honesty and in love, it opens the door for God to work in and through our lives. It's pretty amazing. So uh, also, who here is a first-generation Christian follower, Christ follower? Like first time, like this is new and you're, oh, guys, this is good. This is good. Dave, really? Wow. Okay. This is good. Who's still on the fence with the whole Jesus thing? I know that there's some of you out there. And you're scared to put up your hand because you're like, man, my prof's going to see me and they're going to sit me down and talk to me. You know who you are. You can keep it in your heart. That's okay. When I went to Bible college, uh, when I left home at 17, I fled to Bible school. And it was like fake Bible school. It was like Cape and Ray Harbor. It's not even a real Bible school. <laughs> oh man, that's, that's good. It's totally fake. I fled home to go to Cape and Ray. Hated church. Hated Christianity. Hated any semblance of faith or representation of the church. I actually actively hated it. The only reason I went is because my girlfriend's dad booked me a spot there without me wanting to go. And he, and he pulled me into his barn one day 
out on the prairies, on the farm. And he's like, you're going to Bible school. I was like, no, Norm, I'm not going to Bible school. He's like, yep, you need to go. I've been praying about it for you. And I was mad. I'm like, how dare you pray for me to dictate what my life needs to look like? And he's like, you're going to Bible school. I'm like, nope. And on top of it all, I can't afford it. And uh, he's like, well, you need to pray about it. I said, no, I'm not going. Uh, two days later, at 140 kilometers an hour, 1130 at night, I hit a deer on the highway in Manitoba, and it went through my windshield, through my seats, and out my back window. My car was written off, totally destroyed it. I actually walked away from that accident completely unscathed with my car in pieces on the highway. They had to get a tow truck to come and move it. Three days after that, I got a check from Manitoba Public Insurance for the cost of my car because it was a total write-off. And now I did not know what I was going to do with my life. And so I booked a ticket. I packed a hockey bag, uh, which I bought at Walmart because I don't play hockey, with some stuff. And, uh, and, then, I went, and then I went to Cape Ring. I'd never, I don't know what I was doing. No idea. So I went there, angry at God, angry at the church, angry at any idea of what Christianity ought to look like. And I was mad. We have our histories that affect how we see God. We have our histories and the little nuances in our lives that affect how we observe our faith, how we connect with our Heavenly Father. But what's amazing is that God can reach out beyond time and space and begin healing wounds, ministering to hurts, dealing with stuff that is so deep down and buried that we can't even imagine what it looks like to bring to the surface. And he can actually restore and heal you. But more importantly, he then is given license to use your testimony for the sake of transforming other people's eternities. When you say yes to Jesus and you allow him into the darkest and most depraved portions of your heart and soul. When you say yes, it's not a time to be terrified and afraid that, oh man, he's just going to use it against me. No, no, no. He is going to take that, love you in the midst of it, and use it to be a transformative work, not just in your life, but in others. And you get a chance then to testify about what God has done. That is a beautiful thing. I was born in a truck in the deep, dark forests of northern Ontario, Canada. For real. Actually born in a, in a truck. Uh, so premature that actually uh, it was still legal for me to be aborted. Think, think about that for a second. I was born so premature in the forest, in a truck in Ontario, Canada, far away from any hospital. In fact, the only way I was able to get to a hospital was because they commandeered a forestry helicopter to bring me to a, a hospital. I was born so premature that I could have been legally aborted. I grew up in a very new Christian home. My dad was into all sorts of weird spirituality stuff. Transcendental meditation, levitating, praying to all sorts of other gods. My mom was a recovering Catholic. God bless him. Pray for you Catholics later. I attended a very dysfunctional Christian school and a very dysfunctional Christian church. 
when I was growing up. Uh, we saw horrible things in those settings. Terrible things in those settings. Abuses, hypocrisy. Horrible things. Again, like I said earlier, I left home at 17. And as much as I hated God and the idea of church and going to this Christian school, it was an escape because I had a brother who was bipolar and schizophrenic and he was nuts. Nuts. First Christmas that I had with Maria, when she came to the house, she got introduced to my family and a fist fight breaks out in the living room. My brother, brother was punching holes, trying to hit my other brother in the face and it was a special Christmas time. <laughs> Sideways. Started going to Bible school as an atheist, not knowing where I was, what I was doing. I didn't know up from down. I hated organized religion. Didn't like the church. By 18, I had three court-ordered mandates against me to not drive a vehicle. My cars were taken away from me. When I met Maria, I had a one-year, this is my third, one-year prohibition for driving. This is back when there used to be big rules about this stuff. I wasn't allowed to drive and operate a motor vehicle in Canada for an entire year. Since then, I've worked in heavy industry. I've done sport bike racing, firefighting, parenting, fostering, husbanding, pastoring, renovating, all the stuff. Not a lick of good was going to come from my life without Jesus. Not a lick of good was going to come from my life without Jesus. I know you guys have been going through the book of John. Love this book. Why? Because it's a beautiful, glorious, condensed version of the wonderful story of our Savior. And it's a beautiful story. Actually, I'm going to change that. It's a beautiful truth about what our Savior left for us so that we too can respond in amazing ways to what he's called us to. Gavin was explaining to us that you guys have been going through the first bunch of chapters of, of John. And it's amazing to see that Jesus did one-on-one -on -one intimate moments with people. I want, to, I want to just hit that home again really quick. Jesus, and you can write this in your notes, Jesus did many one-on-one -on -one intimate moments with people. So why would we ever think the Holy Spirit wouldn't do one-on-one -on -one intimate moments with us? I want you to think about that for a minute. If Jesus has done one-on-one -on -one intimate moments with people through the span of his ministry, how can the Holy Spirit not do one-on-one -on -one intimate, deep, profound moments in our lives to ready us, to call us, and to equip us for what God has put in front of us? He dealt with Nicodemus, the woman at the well, the adulteress, many more. Today, as we dig into the book of John, chapter 14, 15, and maybe 16, as we go through the next few days, we want to ask the big question, why on earth did Jesus give us the Holy Spirit? 
Now, some of you might be on the fence about this whole Holy Spirit thing. I think it's kind of strange. I don't know your religious backgrounds or, or what kind of churches or denominations you might have been affiliated with in the past. I'll tell you what, I am a small p Pentecostal. I do pastor at a Pentecostal church, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share and to teach. But I'll be frank with you, there are days that I wrestle with certain things. There's some stuff that I wrestle very deeply with. If I stood here today and said that that wasn't true, first of all, I'd be a liar and I'd be a hypocrite. And also, I wouldn't be giving room for God to begin dealing with stuff that I need to deal with in my life still. We have to remember that it's okay to not know much because God knows it all. We have to be okay with realizing that no matter what education we receive or letters behind our name, there are things that we will not know on this side of eternity for certain. But there's a few things that we can know and we can stand on as our anchor. And that is, first of all, that our Heavenly Father is our Heavenly Father. He created us with purpose and intention. You're not an accident. Okay? Jesus was born into this world of a virgin. Miraculous. He rose up, taught, shared, flipped some tables, made some whips. But changed the world around him. He was crucified, dead and buried and rose again in front of many witnesses. And the landscape of the world began to be transformed because of the work of this young carpenter man. Another neat thing that we can know is that he has given us his Holy Spirit. And you might think that's a little strange. It seems kind of weird. We sang a song about it. Strange, the Holy Spirit. I don't know how I feel about this. Well, I'll tell you what. The truth is that the Bible says we're two or more gathered in his name. There he is in our midst. So we are gathered right now in the name of Jesus. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is present. It's present. I know that as much as I know up is up and down is down and it takes a big dog to weigh a ton. The Holy Spirit is present here with us right now. And it is impossible to do ministry in any way, shape, or form without the Holy Spirit. Let's read together. It starts off with, I am the way and the truth and the life. <laughs> Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house, in there, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you that I have gone to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. He's telling his friends, he's telling his, his followers, you know the way to where I am going. And old Tommy kicks in and he's like, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How, how can we know the way? And Jesus is like, I am the way. How many times do I have to explain this to you? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus is saying, hey, look, I am my Father and my Father is in me. Here's the deal. If you know me, you know the Father. No one gets to the Father except going through me. If you haven't 
started taking the word of God seriously yet, I would urge you to begin taking it seriously. You don't have to believe everything that's inside of it. Hang on, profs, give me a second. You don't have to believe everything that is inside of it because some of it seems so wildly unbelievable. But I will tell you this, what is in this book is the truth. And I encourage you to take it very deeply and seriously into your lives. There are things that you won't have the answers for fully. Maybe only in part. Maybe some things you'll learn uh, during your time here at the college and you'll learn as you grow in ministry. But there are pieces that you will wrestle with that you won't be able to fully have answers for on this side of the grave. And that is amazing because it helps us to remember that God is great and we are not. Wrestle with the text, but take it seriously. Take it seriously. You might not like it. It might offend your senses. Good. Take it seriously though. Wrestle with it. Because I want to make sure for my life that I'm on the right side of the equation. If God created everything and we take the Bible seriously and we believe, we endeavor to believe that God created everything, he ordered the stars. The world is his footstool. The fact that we're made up more of nothing than something is another whole wild, crazy thing to consider. And we can talk about that on a different day. But, uh, but we endeavor to take this seriously and we want to make sure that when we read the word of God, we approach it with open hearts before the creator, uh, creator of everything. Because if he can order the stars and the earth is his footstool, if he is greater than me, well, I want to make sure that I'm on the right side of the creator. If he has known me so intimately, I want to endeavor to know him too. So Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I am the way, I am the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Take that seriously, church. And then Phil comes in. Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long that you still don't know me, Philip? It's very pointed. Hey, Philip, have I been with you so long that you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on, my, on the account of the works themselves at least. Truly, and not just one truly, two trulys, truly, truly. Sometimes maybe it says verily, verily, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do. You want to talk about struggling to understand what the Bible says or even believe that it could be true? This one gets me often because I can see in the scriptures what Jesus did and I don't see too much of that happening too often. I haven't seen a dead guy raised in a while. And you wonder, hmm. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. 
Jesus foreshadowing, hey, I'm not gonna be here forever, but guess what? You've got some work to do. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And now this is the exciting part. Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit. Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit. The foreshadowing of foreshadowing is about to happen and we're gonna read it here shortly. Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit. Before we read the rest, why? Why on earth do we need the Holy Spirit? You can write that down in your notes. Why? Maybe you got some ideas. Why on earth do we need the Holy Spirit? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's pretty serious. I think we glaze over that and we don't pay attention to the gravity of that statement. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the word cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. The Holy Spirit of God will dwell in your lives and equip you and empower you to not just do the things that Christ did, but also, as Jesus says, to have an expectation that even greater things will happen. Guys, I want to ask you, do you have an expectation for what the Holy Spirit will equip you for in ministry? Or do you just want to get your schooling out of the way and find a job and chill? Do you think that Jesus died on the cross for you to eat, sleep, breathe, and die? Or do you think that Jesus died on the cross, rose again, defeated death in the grave, and gave you the Holy Spirit to equip you for something more than just regular? I don't know how much I can hammer home on that point. You are built and designed purposefully for something more than just regular. Now, I'm not telling you that you're just all gonna go out and be superstars. Superstars, Jesus bless me. Jesus live in me. Maybe you'll work at Superstore. God bless you. Jesus work in them. Jesus help them stock shelves. Like the reality is, the reality is, is Jesus has called you to more. And no matter how much you try to attain that more on your own, it will never happen. You need, need the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, your bags of flesh that are gonna rot in the ground. It's true. You'll get your 70 or 80 or 90 years in, and you're gonna die. You'll be six feet under. Food for the worms. Here one moment, gone the next. Has your life had any type of eternal consequence to the world around you? Naturally, no. No, it won't. You need the Holy Spirit. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see, see me no more. But you, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, that you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. 
And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, parentheses, it says in the Bible here, not the bad Judas. He says, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Hmm. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He said this three times now, so you got to pay attention, right? And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. And these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, capital H helper, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'll come back to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Don't be afraid that I'm leaving you, Jesus says. This is actually a joyous moment. Good things are about to happen. I'm going to my Father, and you're going to get the Holy Spirit. This is a good day. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. <clears throat> so I got chapter 14 out of the way. That's what Gavin asked me to do. I'm just joking. We're praying for you guys. And it's funny, God brings us through things so that we can share things with others, right? Like we talked about earlier, the testimony. We get to testify about what God is doing. How on earth did I possibly come to fall in love with Jesus when I went through all of that hurt and that pain and that frustration? It takes time, first of all. Lots of time. Cost far, far more than a university education. In fact, part of the lessons that I'm going to share over the next few days with you probably cost me a solid quarter of a million dollars, and I'm not even kidding you, real world money. Like, for real. We want to deal with foundation. And as I was praying for all of you, this is the thing that kept coming up over and over and over again. We've got to deal with some foundational pieces here, like some super basics. I am not a theologian, nor a scholar, nor do I have letters behind my name. I'm not particularly a smart man. I know a few things. Really, I do. I really just only know a few things. One of those things that I know and that I lean on all the time is the fact that we are in desperate, desperate need for the Lord. Des desperate need for the Lord. None of you are fools. You understand the world that we live in is an interesting place to say the least. You are born into very interesting times. To have a natural capacity to deal with the state of what's going on around us is a fallacy. It needs to be a supernatural capacity, but you cannot conjure that on your own. There is no seance you can do, no worship song you can sing that will make your life better in Jesus' name. You need to surrender to Jesus. You might feel really, really great sometimes, 
when you're singing the right songs or surrounded by the right people, but is Jesus in your heart? Is Jesus in your heart? Is the Father in your life? These are hard questions. I want you to write that down in your journals, in your notes. Is Jesus in my heart? Question mark. I went through something a bunch of years ago. A crisis of faith, you could probably call it. Now, pastoring a church. Pastors are supposed to know what's going on all the time, right? They're supposed to always have it together. Everything has to be ordered and perfect. You feel a pressures. You guys are going into ministry. How many of you guys are going to be a pastor? That's your hopes. Okay, youth pastor, worship pastor. Who wants to work in a church? Excellent. Who here believes in Jesus? Okay, you're all pastors. Praise the Lord. You're here, you're learning, you're going to apply the stuff that you're learning. This is good stuff. It's not just for like a couple people that stand up on a stage once a week. We're expected to have it all together and oftentimes we actually don't. Our pride gets in the way and we try to protect ourselves. We don't want to let the cracks show. We don't want anyone to see that we might have foundational issues going on. But I think it's important to be able to talk frankly about the state of life and where things have gone, where they've come to, what's been happening. So a few years ago, I went through something interesting. I was reading my Bible. Believe it or not, I was reading my Bible and... uh, it was actually just after we finished a Christmas service at our church. We got a lot of Russians around our area. They're called Dukabors. Spirit wrestlers is what the name means, actually. It's kind of neat. Dukabor is a spirit wrestler. It's very, very weird. You guys Dukabors or what? Oh, your grandma's a Dukabor. Excellent. Oh, fantastic. Wonderful. Spasiba. <laughs> um, so we've got a lot of Dukes in our area. And uh, when we do Christmas concerts, people come from the community, they sing songs, and the, and the Duke of Bork Russian choir comes up, and they do chants, no music, no, in- or sorry, no instruments, they, they chant out songs, but they chant out scripture verses, Bible verses, it's really neat. They don't know the English translation, so they haven't adopted the message of Christ into their hearts, they just muscle memory and tonal memory where they're able to just say the songs, uh, and it's kind of, kind of neat, it's, it's kind of impressive. And they really anchor to the Lord's Prayer. And the way that it works, it's kind of tradition. Pastor, English pastor gets up, says the Lord's Prayer. Russian pastor gets up, he says the Lord's Prayer in Russian. And then we call it a day. But we always say the same Lord's Prayer. You guys know the Lord's Prayer? If you don't, that's okay. I just want you to know that. If you don't know the Lord's Prayer, that is okay. It is in Matthew chapter 7. You can start reading it in verse 7 if you want to. But if you're just like, oh, Lord's Prayer, okay. Jot that down, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. And you can go back and you can learn it later, okay? But this is Jesus teaching us how to pray. I think out of anybody, he's probably the most qualified. And when everybody stands up and they say the Lord's Prayer, they say, Our Father. You can say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. (laughs) 
That part's not in the Bible. Because the part that's in the Bible is the piece that we often shy away from. A few years ago, I was wrestling with some stuff. We just finished our Christmas service. We had just done the Lord's Prayer in English and in Russian. And they invited me up to fake chant these Russian hymns with them. And I don't know what I'm singing. They call me McFaddenoff. It doesn't even make sense. Like this, like, oh, it's McFaddenoff. You come and sing songs with us. And I, and I said, and truly, I'm in a choir full of men, and they're all old guys, and I literally stand there mouthing watermelon, peas, and carrots, and all the old Russian ladies are like, how did you know the songs? I'm like, I don't know the songs, but praise the Lord. And I left the service, and it was a couple days later, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm like, the Lord's Prayer. Interesting. So I went and I reread it. And it's funny, right? You learn these things, you adopt them into your heart, you adopt our tra- traditions, Christian traditions into your heart, and, and they just become part of just what you do every day or the things that you say. And sometimes we forget the gravity of what's actually in the scripture. I'm getting somewhere with this. We want to deal with some foundational issues before we dig into the rest of the week with you. I cannot tell you how crucial it is for you to deeply seek after, need, and desire the Holy Spirit to come into your life and equip you for ministry. I cannot explain how important that is. You will sit here and you're like, I don't believe the guy. Sure, whatever. My education will carry me through. Or you might think, yeah, I could see this. I could see the importance of this. Maybe I do need the Holy Spirit. And you're just going to walk in that. I promise you, many of you here will hit some very, very tumultuous bumps in your life and in ministry. And you will not know what to do. You won't have any ability to figure out what way is up and what way is down. And you will be floundering in the ocean of life. What you need to grab onto is you need to grab onto the understanding that you will never be able to do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to give you some foundational pieces so you can know, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are walking in accordance with the Lord and he is ministering to you and you are filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit. This is important stuff. What separates us from God? What separates us from God? Yeah. When we recognize that we've sinned, we go to Jesus and we ask for forgiveness, right? Has anybody here ever gone to the Lord and say, Lord, please forgive me? The rest of you are liars. Okay, good. A few years ago, I hit this point after going through the Lord's Prayer and I'm, I'm reading this and I was like, man, what on earth? Then I realized really quickly that I was just about to step into the most damning portion of scripture that I think that I could possibly ever come across. And I was flabbergasted by reading the red letters in Matthew at the end of the Lord's Prayer. It says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I'm going to read that again and let that sink in. For if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, neither will your Father in heaven forgive yours. (sighs) 
horribly damning portion of scripture. A few years ago, I realized, man, I spent a lot of time asking the Lord for forgiveness and there are piles of people that I have refused to forgive. And here I am expecting God to work in my life, having an expectation for the Holy Spirit to fill me and equip me for ministry. A few years ago, I am running on fumes and I can't handle it anymore. And I'm like, Lord, where are you? And he directed me to read his word. And here I realized, wow, I have never taken time to deal with the stuff that I'm holding on to in my life. I didn't want to forgive the people that had hurt me or the institutions that had hurt me. I didn't want to let go of the pain that came from the things that I dealt with growing up. I held them in my heart as a badge of honor, a sick, disgusting badge of honor. This is my identity. Rather than stopping and pausing and trusting that the Lord can actually help me release these things. We want to have intimacy with the Lord. We want to have communion with our risen Savior, Jesus. We want to have a closeness with him. But we also know that sin separates us from God. We don't want that separation. We want the fullness of the relationship. And by God's grace, he still ministers to us and loves us and cares for us. But by our own doing, we carry things that we were never intended to carry and it weighs us down and brings us to ruin. And eventually by our own pride and our own stupid ambitions and our own stubbornness, we just try to make it work and make it work and make it work and we can't do it on our own. We need Jesus. We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit to not just give us natural remedies to a natural world. We need supernatural remedies to the supernatural things that plague us. No matter what you do, you cannot make that happen. So a few years ago, a very good friend of mine, a close mentor, far older than me, was wrestling with He is a theologian. We sat down and we talked. And I explained my struggles. And I explained that this really hurt my feelings. That maybe there's some stuff between me and God. And he said, well, you got to deal with it. Then he asked me a very important question that I've never forgotten. And I'm going to ask you that question. And we're not going to deal with the answers of that question until Wednesday evening. And the reason why is I want you to take some time to process this. So you've got your journals, you've got your notebooks, you've got your pens. I want you to close your eyes. What is the funnest thing that you love to do? Call out a few things. I'll start bungee jumping. Next one. Let's hear it. Call out a few things. What's the funnest thing you like to do? Weightlifting, okay, what's next? Okay, dancing, what else? Yeah, what else, what else? What's the funnest thing you love to do? What's the most, oh, was that? Motorbiking, what is the most cherished time that you have in your life? What is it? Okay, good, what else? Sleeping rocks, okay, good, excellent. Okay, good, wonderful. 
Okay, great. So you've thought of these things. The rest of you are, are thinking about these things. You're imagining being in those scenarios. Now, this might not be the case for all of you, but for some of you, this is crucial. Who would you not want to interrupt your time when you're experiencing the funnest moments of your life? Who would you not want to invite to your table? Who would you not want to invite on an adventure? Who would you not want to bring into your close space? Heavenly Father, please reveal these things in the hearts of these folks today. Reveal those people. For some of you, it might be your parents. For some of you, it maybe it's your foster care workers or your social workers. For some of you, perhaps it's your abuser. I know for me, it certainly was. For some of you, it's a friend that you've lost along the way you don't want to ever talk to again. For some of you, maybe it's a a person here in this room. For some of you, maybe it's a pastor or a person that represents your religious affiliation. For some of you, it's a deep, dark, hidden memory that only comes out in whispers sometimes of something that happened when you were young. What I ask that you do is take some time between today and tomorrow night and allow this to haunt you. In modern Christianity, in modern iterations or expressions of Christianity, we're very, very, very happy to have the dessert, but we seldom want the main course. We want the warm and fuzzies, but we don't want to have to deal with the hard stuff. If you're thinking of some folks and they're coming to mind and you're like, no, I can't do it. No, you can't. You cannot. You cannot forgive. There are some things, there are some atrocities that are committed against others that are so horrendous, we can't even consider the idea of forgiving. You see, it is a natural occurrence that leaves a supernatural scar on our souls. And the only one who can heal that is Jesus. But we first have to open up our hearts and allow him into those dark, broken places. And then we have to take a chance in trusting him enough that he will actually help us forgive those very things that have ruined us. And you might think, oh, it's impossible. This guy doesn't know me. He doesn't know what I've gone through. He doesn't know what was done to me. I don't. I have no idea. But what I know in and of myself is that a man who is horribly broken, who was raped and molested as a young guy, who grew up in a home filled with 
chaos from a brother who was dealing with mental illness, who fought with police and had to stand before judges and messed around with more girls than I ever ought to have, who did terrible things and hurt many people. If God can affect my life and allow me to forgive, but also forgive me, he can do the same for you. And I promise when you have those moments of contrition, brokenheartedness before God, Lord, what have I done? You get an opportunity to see the most beautiful thing in the world. And it's not him condemning you or hating you or running away from you. He draws near to you. And he ministers to you. And he loves you. And he takes you in. He's like, listen, girl. Listen, guy. I know what you've gone through. You've tried to carry it. Give it to me. Forgive. Forgive and be forgiven because I have a plan for you. And it's time to put that baggage away. Worship team, come on up. We're going to close in prayer. And prayer, we're going to close in worship. I want you, between today and tomorrow evening, to jot some of that stuff down. I don't care what it is. None of your profs or your pastors give a rip about what is on that sheet of paper. That is for you and you alone. The Lord wants to shore up your foundations so that we can start things on the right path. I guarantee you, you will try so hard to have a go at this ministry thing on your own and you just won't be able to do it. And you'll either fail and falter and leave or your pride will well up and you will try to establish yourself as you and you alone and you'll be far from Jesus while preaching about him on Sunday. It's an old song. Don't let your hearts grow cold. I'm calling out. Light the fire again. Take some time between today and tomorrow. Ask that question, Lord, who do I not want at my Christmas dinner table? Maybe you'll get a name or two. Then ask the question, anyone else, Lord? Because you can talk to him. And he's still going to reveal a couple more, maybe. Okay, Lord, anybody else? Maybe that's it. Maybe there's a couple more. But guess what? This is the cool part. He knows you and he loves you so much that he will bring that stuff up when you're ready. And when you approach him and say, Lord, I am ready to begin dealing with these things. I need to get these burdens off of my shoulders. I want to walk freely and lightly with you. I need to know that I'm walking in accordance with your will and your way. Lord, help me forgive. What's amazing is that he puts his strength in you and deals with that stuff. Because folks, might seem a little weird right now. Man, I got these names on this paper. I got an institution on this paper. I hate my school, what I grew up in. By tomorrow night, you're going to have an opportunity to forgive. But what's great is, tomorrow night, 
you're going to have an opportunity to be forgiven. And by tomorrow night, you're going to know that there is nothing else between you and God. You're going to know tomorrow night that your sins are gone and washed away. There is no long list anymore. That list is going to be dealt with. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed your transgressions from you. By tomorrow night, we are going to gather and we are going to pray and we are going to seek the Lord and we are going to have an expectation that the Holy Spirit is going to fill your lives to overflowing. And it's not just going to be a little bit of sip and you feel quenched. This is eternal water that never runs dry. We'll keep on going and going and going as long as you diminish your pride Go to the foot of the cross. Allow God to minister to your heart and to your brokenness and have grace for those who have hurt you. You will be great in ministry and nothing that you've done will get you there. It's by the power of the Lord because he is great and we are not. He is great and we are not. So all you need to worry about between today and tomorrow is get that list dealt with. Get it down. And as you write that list on a piece of paper, the second column beside it or maybe the page over if you've really filled up that sheet is the second question that you need to ask. Lord, how have I grieved you? What sins have I committed that I haven't dealt with yet? We want intimacy with God. We want closeness with God. We don't want to try having sex with a sock on when it comes to knowing intimately that relationship with God. We don't want to have barriers between us and the experiences that we ought to have most intimately with our Creator. God, what sins do I need to deal with? And I promise you, you're going to have a list. And then you're going to say, Lord, is there anything else that needs to be dealt with on this list? And you're going to have more things to write down. And you'll be like, man, I stole a toy when I was five years old. I never even dealt with it. Write it down. I remember that chocolate bar that I took from 7-Eleven when my mom wasn't looking. Write it down. might seem goofy, but you don't want to have a list. We want to deal with it confidently knowing that God's got us Satan's got nothing else against us and we can walk freely and lightly empowered by the Holy Spirit to do crazy things in Jesus name I'm excited for tomorrow night I hope you're excited for tomorrow night I hope you take some time to go through your lists and we're going to deal with it tomorrow Jesus thank you for the time that we have together. Thank you that you are our King. Thank you that you are our Lord. We praise you and thank you that you are the rock upon which we stand. When we are anchored to you, we will not be moved or shaken. We thank you that you cover us and protect us under your wing. We thank you that you are the banner of victory that we wave, not the banner of defeat. We thank you that you've created us to be bold and confident believers in the name of Jesus to go out into this world 
to take ground that the enemy has established for himself. We thank you that because of you, the name of Jesus is a force to be reckoned with here in this place. The name of Jesus is a force to be reckoned with in the world. The church of Jesus Christ is a force to be reckoned with. Lord God, equip your saints today. Minister to them today. Draw out of their hearts the mess and the brokenness that has been buried down deep. Wash them over. Wash them over, Lord God. Wash away the filth. Wash away the mess. Wash away the tears. Wash away the hurt. Wash away the brokenness and restore them unto you, Lord God. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you are great and we are not. Let's worship.